I'm going to read two scripture passages today, Micah 6, 1 through 16, and 7, 1 through 7. This is Micah speaking to God's people. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for I, the Lord, have a case against my people. I am lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have you done for me? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered? Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. Remember so that you may know the righteous acts of your Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, the Lord is calling to the city. To fear God's name is wisdom. Again, the Lord says, heed the rod and the one who appointed it. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, your wicked house, and the short ephah, which is accursed? Shall I acquit someone who uses dishonest scales and a bag of false weights? Your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore, I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. You will eat. Your stomach will be empty. You will store up but save nothing, because what you save I will give to the sword. You will plant but not harvest. You will press olives but not use the oil. You will crush grapes but not drink the wine. You have observed the statutes of King Omri and all the practices of King Ahab's house. You have followed their traditions. Therefore, I will give you over to ruin and your people to derision. You will bear the scorn of the nations. In Micah 7. Again, Micah speaking to the people. I am doomed. I've become like one who, even after the summer fruit has gathered, after the ripened fruits have been collected, has no cluster of grapes to eat, no ripe fig that I might desire. Faithful ones have perished from the land. There is no righteous among humanity. All of them lie in wait for bloodshed. They hunt each other with nets. Their hands are skilled at doing evil, Official and judge alike ask for a bribe. The powerful speak however they like. 
This is how they conspire. The good among them are like a briar. Those who do the right thing are like a thorny thicket. A day for your lookouts, your punishment has arrived. The confusion of the wicked is nearby. Do not rely on a friend. Put no trust in a companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your embrace. Son disrespects father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The enemies of a man are those of his own household. But me, I will watch for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join us for hymn 207 in Voices Together, What Does the Lord Require of You? And stand if you are able. This is in three parts. So I'm gonna to go to the piano and I'm gonna poke out each part and we're gonna all sing all the parts. And then we're gonna divide in three. Um, and so let's just go ahead and start <laughs> and then we'll do sort of a middle section. You can get to the side if you're in the middle or if you're on this side. So this side, you're going to sing with Debbie. Um, let's say middle, you're going to sing with me and, and Rob, I'm going to let you kind of hold down this. Yeah, so first we're going to sing it all together. So let's do the top part together. Wow. 
That's when we can keep practicing. These words that we have just sung from Micah, Micah 6, 8. These are precious words. They are beloved by many of us. They're familiar to many of us. They are some of the most cited of favorite scriptures for Christians. And uh, I take it from a Jewish commentator that I listened to uh, last week, also equally beloved in Jewish communities. These are just, they're just too good not to love. They are poetic, they are beautiful. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. They are poetic and they are beautiful. They are invitational. They are aspirational. There are ways that you can always learn more about how to do justice, about how to love kindness, about how to walk humbly with your God. I mean, they're just like, they're marching orders for a whole lifetime, right? It's the sort of list that you could never like check off, like done, on to the next. Like they, they're the sort of thing you can live with and grow into and seek to understand more deeply and more fully and more wholly. And there's no coincidence in that. There's no coincidence because what Micah, the prophet, is doing with these words, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. What Micah is doing is he's summing up all of the Torah, all of the covenant. He's doing his summary statement of what all that stuff means, Genesis, Exodus, the biggest numbers, what all that means in a nutshell is to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God. So while it's not easy, <laughs> it's not easy to do, it's also not a mystery what is required of us. It's also not a mystery. God has told us, oh mortals, God has told us what is good. And this can be lived and proclaimed, and it can be practiced in each moment of our lives. These are those precious words, the core in many ways of our faith, right here, cupped in these hands. But what comes before these precious words? And what comes after? These precious words, well, let's just say it's why we only know that verse or two or three. <laughs> I think a good lectionary, you've heard, some of you have heard me say this before, a good lectionary, like a good CSA box, Community Supported Agriculture box, will give you some vegetables that you did not know about, that you did not ask for, that you did not even necessarily want, some vegetables that you might have to um, learn a little bit about seek to understand a kohlrabi before you figure out what to do with it right all right so the before and the after well before these precious beautiful poetic aspirational words that we love so much before we have god bringing a lawsuit against the people and it's very explicitly court language here. God is bringing a lawsuit against the people saying, yo, we had a covenant. What's up? 
you are not keeping up your end of the bargain. I am bringing a case against you. That's the before. The after is the continued sort of language of the case that God is bringing against the people. And there are accusations in there uh, about treasures of wickedness and whole cities of wickedness, about even tools, so shorted baskets, wicked scales, bags of false weights, city of wealthy people full of violence. Anybody know a city like that? City of wealthy people full of violence. That's, that's the after. <clears throat> Micah says, you devour, but you aren't satisfied, and a gnawing emptiness is within you. I read this accusation, this lawsuit brought by God against the people, and this is kind of the heart of it. You devour but are not satisfied. The gnawing emptiness is inside you. And then it carries on, and you heard Debbie sort of transition to chapter 7. It carries on with just a dismal... <laughs> Just a dismal collection of verses that, um, and there's some uh, uh, there's some uncertainty about when this was exactly written. So it could have been written in the eighth century BCE. It could have been written in the fifth century BCE. Or, honest to God, it could have been written last week. It could have been written last week. The whole system in chapter seven. The whole system is just completely screwed, and you can't trust anyone. It even gets to the point there in chapter 7 where it talks about the division in the family. Like, enemies are in your own household. In some ways, this precurses what Jesus will eventually tell us in the Gospels, one of those really hard things that Jesus says, that I've come not to bring peace but a sword, and that you will be turned against people in your own family. All that stuff that Jesus said that is so hard that we wrestle with and we seek to understand, it's got its roots right back here in Micah. Micah chapter 7 is talking about trusting no one, friend, loved one. There's just a profound and miserable loneliness because of how far the system has fallen from God's vision of a just peace for all creation. So we know... We know the gift of those precious words at the heart of this text. We know the gift. It's a gift that will live long in my life, probably until my dying days, right? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. There's just almost infinite invitation there for me to keep examining the way that I live in this world and the way I live in community with others. So the good news is really clear there. The gift of those words, those precious cup words, is really clear. Is there a gift in the kohlrabi, in the before and the after? The vegetables we neither wanted nor asked for nor know, frankly, what to do with. Is there a gift there? Well, what I notice when I look at, at, at the misery surrounding these beautiful words, what I notice is first of all the problem the problem is wickedness 
but really clearly in this text that we heard this morning, wickedness is not some grandiose wickedness. It's easy to point to the grandiose wickedness out there, right? But in Micah, the wickedness is in scales that are just a little bit off. There's a mundaneity. There's an everydayness um, to the wickedness that Micah talks about. It's not just the big bad, as Buffy would have us attack. It's not just the big bad out there, but there's this accumulation of the seemingly small, the small ways that we game the system, that we dive through a little loophole here. We notice somebody's getting away with things. Oh, I didn't know I could get away with that thing, get away with that thing. There's sort of this accumulation of the mundaneity and everydayness, the way the small slights. So I noticed that as the problem in Micah, is the wickedness that just grows from the everyday seemingly small things. I notice in Micah and in the whole series that we've been in, I just can't even stop seeing this in the texts that we've, that we've been dwelling in during this economic justice series. I notice the antidote. So if the problem is the wickedness that grows and accumulates from the mundane, the antidote is interruption. The antidote is Sabbath. The gift that Sabbath is, is uh, uh, it's not just to not frequent a restaurant on Sunday to make, because you're making other people work. When I grew up in my household, that was kind of what it meant to observe the Sabbath, was to not go to a restaurant on Sunday because you're going to make other people work when nobody's supposed to be working. Okay, fine. That might be a piece of your Sabbath. There's ways to think about it more, um, uh, I think, more complexly, though. It's Sabbath at its heart is an interruption. It's an interruption. It's a pause. It's a break in time. It's a break in practice. And so there's this steady mundaneity of wickedness that grows. And the antidote is to pause it, is to halt it, is to cease to be for a moment a consumer, to cease to be for a moment. Um, a, a, a participant in the system that just steadily grows toward wickedness. It's a hard reset, and it's built in. I love this about Sabbath more than anything else, and we all know that Sabbath is very important to me, but I also keep growing in my understanding of what it is and how it can impact me and my community. It's this hard reset that is built in on the regular because we need it. Because without that interruption, the steady march goes on and injustice grows and wealth gaps widen and they get passed on to next generations and there's never an opportunity to stop, to stop that steady progression. We've got the problem, we've got the antidote of Sabbath and the fruit. When I look at the rest of Micah, the before and the after, the fruit of all of that is kinship. What Walter Brueggemann calls neighborly economy. Walter Brueggemann just wrote in Christian Century recently that the covenantal vision of a neighborly economy, so clearly and often voiced in the Torah, requires advocacy for both polity and practice that are pro-neighbor, anti-predation, and anti-accumulation. 
As our society grows more frightened and more repressive, he writes, the church is faced with an urgent call for truth-telling concerning both the exposure of our predatory economic system, which produces and sustains poverty through cheap labor, and the articulation of an alternative way that will yield neighborly abundance. But as long as the church is un in unthinking collusion with a dominant economic assumption, this hard and transformative truth is unlikely to be spoken aloud. So there it is. The problem is the steady march toward injustice and widening gaps. The antidote is the Sabbath interruption, the stop, the refusal to participate, the reset, and the fruit of that is kinship and neighborly economy. It's what anarchists for generations and movement builders in oppressed communities and even Mennonites one day, way, way, way back, have called mutual aid. Neighborly economy and neighborly abundance and an interruption of the steady march. And so we return one more, once more, to those beautiful words at the core of this text because God has indeed told you, O mortal one, O adorably human one. God has told you, has told me, has told us each one already what is good. So while it's not easy, it is also not a mystery. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Amen, and may it be so.